Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I can't imagine what it's going to be like. Um, what a thrill and honor it will be for me to take the green jacket back to Japan. And I'm really looking forward to it. That is the interpreter for Hideki Matsuyama, the 2021 Masters champ. Did you see the uh, the photo of him sitting in the airport? Uh, I don't think I did, no. Dude's chilling. Today. Yeah, dude's just chilling by himself in the Atlanta airport, just won the Masters. And obviously, he's not flying pi- private. I mean, who, who went to Japan? But he's sitting in the airport by himself, and the green jacket's just hanging out in the seat next to him, just like straddling <laughs> the seat. This is like, dang, man, like you're, you know, in in the golf world right now, you couldn't be hotter. And people are just walking by you thinking like, all right, this dude's just got a business jacket that's green. Cool. <laughs> it's cool. It's crazy. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's a good time to fly for him if the airport's not as busy. Sure. <laughs> you know? No, that's true, too. That's true, too. Uh, Brent Martineau here at Jacksonville Golf and Country Club, uh, home of the Child Cancer Fund Golf Tournament today. We're out at a great event. Uh, Cox Media Group does a lot with Child Cancer Fund. Rich Jones, especially WOKV uh, 104.5 FM. Uh, they'll have the Carathon coming up uh, in late summer. That's around August. And then they have a gala coming up a little bit later on in the calendar year as well. But beautiful day out here uh, for a good cause. I may have to step away, actually, at some time in the next hour um, to go help MC in an award ceremony during the show. So uh, just waiting for the uh, heads up on when the golfers finish. And we can do a little bit of that, so I may bounce uh, in and out over the next hour uh, here at Jacksonville Golf and Country Club. <laughs> Before we get to Matsy, I'm a little bit more. I said this to uh, – I was having a little bit of an issue with how we get the video feeds out from here. Mm. and it's, up, it's all based on, like, Wi-Fi usually. It grabs, like, Wi-Fi signals. It's very cool technology. But I had a little bit of an issue with it on Friday in TV, and sometimes it might just be in a bad spot. Uh, but I've had, like, a little – I've been able to troubleshoot it and figure it out. Sometimes, like jump on something else, or it might, there might be an actual Wi-Fi here at the club. Okay. <laughs> and so, so I I asked uh, Stuart. Stuart's my go-to, you know, if I if I need a little help. I said, uh, what do I hit on uh, this thing's called the Live View to try the other channel? And then I said, actually, I, so I meant to say I got the Wi-Fi to work. I said I think I got a wife actually. He said, his response was, I would hope you still do. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is, like, I didn't catch it. Yeah, I just yeah. saw his response, and he was like, I would hope you still do. What are you talking about? Yeah. And, said, and then I went back and read, I think I got a wife, actually, instead of, I think I got Wi-Fi, actually. Uh, I got you. I got you. Yes, man. You have to be careful with those. They can be lost in translation sometimes, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, that happens all the time, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some of the great ones oh, yeah. uh, are, are out there because of it. All right. Hideki Matsuyama. This is, uh, in the United States, Will Zalatoris winning would have been unbelievable. 24-year-old California kid. I mean, uh, just a lot of fun. Adam Sandler's tweeting about him. Yeah. The tournament in general, where was everybody? Like, uh, where was Jordan Spieth to come get, you know, uh, Matsuyama? Where were the chase? Shoffley, awful in the first uh, six holes, then rallies a bit to make it, then he ends up triple bogeying, but at least he created some drama at the end. Spieth created a little bit of drama, but most of the drama was brought in by Matsuyama, what he did on 15. He bogeys three out of the four uh, final holes and, and kind of left the door open uh, a little bit. So I, the tournament itself is 
okay, it looked like Matsuyama was going to win uh, from Saturday night and through the front nine, and we got a little bit of drama at the end, but not not enough. So I think a lot of people would be like, well, Hideki Matsuyama, that's okay, but he's not like this up-and-coming star. He's not Phil Mickelson. He's not Jordan Spieth. He's not this kid, the 24-year-old California kid we could talk about. So I think people around here say, boring. I can tell you this, man. You know, one thing I've learned about the Players' Championship and covering that year in, year out, is just how global a sport golf is, all right? Uh, we we kind of live in our own little bubbles, but it's such a global sport. Mm-hmm. And how big it is in a place like Japan and the Japanese media. And I've seen the Japanese media on a couple of different levels in a couple of different sports, from baseball to Hideki Matsui when I covered the Yankees and Red Sox uh, when I was working up in Albany. I mean, a lot of Japanese media covering Hideki Matsui. It was that big of a story. And I'm sure it was the case with Hideo Nomo at the time and obviously Ichiro. Uh, but in golf, uh, Hideki Matsuyama has been a superstar over in Japan. So this win is massive. And Tiger Woods said it. Ernie L said it. It's massive globally for the sport of golf. But it doesn't feel that way in the United States. Let's not kid ourselves. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. How many events are like that? Where, like, it, something doesn't feel that big in the United States. That happened in the United States. But it's a bigger story elsewhere. It doesn't seem to happen very much in Ooh. our sports world. Yeah, it's a good call. Um, nothing's really... I mean, I think, like, in terms of the World Cup and stuff like that, because, you know, in terms of the United States, we're so uh, far behind what we think about soccer fandom that I think that we neglect how much the World Cup actually means to countries um, sometimes. So I think there's that. But, no, I I completely agree with you. And, you know, I remember we had the conversation last week where I asked, like, who needs to win this tournament to kind of elevate golf a little bit? We both kind of settled on Bryson DeChambeau, which made a lot of sense from, you know, changing the sport, what it looks like, um, you know, changing the goals of hitting that long ball and all that stuff. But at the same time, I think that at least my answer with the reason I said it, it came from a selfish standpoint of like, well, what's going to bring me to it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need Bryson DeChambeau uh, to win. Matsuyama didn't even cross my mind because, once again, selfishly, I'm thinking about my own needs here. But when we think about the the global perspective of things, and the, listen, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure how big in uh, in golf it is Japan. Like I know, like the women's uh, PJ tour, um, it's pretty big with a lot of Japanese golfers that are successful. But like I don't know overall from the brand of how big it is. But to me, it almost feels like. You know, and, and basketball has always been big in China. But I yeah. felt like when Yao Ming got drafted to the Rockets, um, and you had like this larger than life guy, and, and you know he comes in right away and does pretty well for himself. Like to me, Yao Ming put a whole brand of, of basketball on his back and spread the word to an, an already popular sport, probably in China, and like he helped elevate it. I feel like that's what Matsuyama can do exactly right here for the sport of golf, where maybe it's big, maybe it's growing, but now him winning that green jacket, um, I believe he's the first uh, Japanese-born guy to do that. Um, It just adds to it. It just helps grow that sport. And obviously, when you're talking about global, that's huge. So, yeah, I think it was a big win uh, for for golf in general and obviously a big win uh, for, for Japan as well. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's massive. And so much so, Austin, I can't sit here and tell you, like, I understand that concept of how big it is, but I can't really even give you an analogy of of what it means because I think it's that big. 
Like, I really do. I, I think, uh, uh, who was it in the broadcast? Uh, was it Faldo, maybe, that said it's going to mean like a billion dollars to Hideki Matsuyama? Like, that's how big of a win this would be in an endorsement. Okay. I was going to say, like, what are they, like, up endorsements and stuff? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's how, like, he will become, like, this national hero hmm. because of the win. Mm-hmm. But a, a Japanese man winning a major and winning the Masters, you know. Uh, and again, Hideki Matsuyama has been heralded for quite some time. He's been a fantastic golfer uh, for a long time. So to break through in this context, uh, I, I understand it. I really do. But I have a hard time kind of relaying it because there's not many examples like this. Again, soccer's a good example. But I guess what would have to happen is like when soccer in the World Cup is played on American soil. In the States, and, and another country wins it, and they're going crazy, and we're like, hey, congratulations. You know? Sure, I mean, sure. That's, that's what, because in, in football, we celebrate more than anybody, the Super Bowl champ. Yeah. In Major League Baseball, I think Japan and, and other countries, Cuba, celebrate probably the World Series champ, but not would, more than we do. It'd be like know? in the Olympic, like the Winter Olympics, like if Canada won, you know, the men's hockey gold medal. Like I think if the USA won, yeah, we'd be pretty excited about it, right? Or even, for instance, if, if a Canadian team wins the Stanley Cup, I feel like that's going to be yeah, a lot bigger, that's, a big deal. That's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah, a good one. Yeah, yeah you know, you're, you're right about that. I don't know if we fully understand. Full, we get it that it's big. That's a good call right there. Yeah. Like, but do we fully understand that when Montreal wins the Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. or Toronto, a, man, or Toronto, yeah. or Vancouver, yeah, sure. or it's a way bigger deal, mm-hmm. Calgary, yep. than when yeah, well, the when, Pittsburgh when the Kings win it, and you got about twenty people there just to take pictures <laughs> and selfies. Yeah, no, that that that's a good call. Like, can't Canadian hockey versus American hockey? There is still a big difference. Of course, right? I of mean, course. is that fair? No, it's it's absolutely fair. You know, you know, like I mean, I, I like hockey myself, but you can't deny, um, in terms of priorities and in terms of fandom, I think that the the our neighbors up north have us beat for the most part. Let, let me give you a little bit. I, I, you you made me think now, and I like when you do that. And <laughs> I, I so here's what I would say and try to put this in context. This is a, hey, congratulations to Deck Matsuyama. You played great. You won the Masters. You got the green jacket for everybody over here. Over there, it's like parades, billion-dollars endorsements, um, uh, 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 this flood of youth that will that will turn on to golf probably because of Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, I would say it's like if the Montreal Canadiens had like a 50-year drought of Stanley Cup, yeah. By the way, what is their drought? It's probably pretty lengthy well, at this moment. Well, I know. But... <laughs> I think Toronto might be the biggest one. Because they have the biggest drought. Ah, uh, let me check it out quick. Yeah, but, it's yeah. so it's like that. Maybe I think that's a great comp. Like I think you got me thinking in the right direction. Montreal is they've had so much success. So, yeah. so that probably isn't a good one. But Toronto might be. So if we're talking about longest droughts, uh, the Maple Leafs has been 52 seasons. Oh yeah, so so that's a gr- I think that's a good one. Now, what's interesting about Toronto, and I I've never been there, okay, and it's become like this Americanized city, hasn't it? Like I mean, it feels like it's it's it almost feels like the United States how big that city is. Yeah, I mean it's you know it's very diverse. Like I've never been there myself, but like you know I mean like when you have Drake uh, re- representing it, like it, it's kind of like the the cool spot to be. It seems like uh, in Canada. Yeah, and so does that take away because no, it's probably very so. transient? Does that take away from how much like the hockey and Toronto winning would mean? Because again, Not, there's so many transient yeah. people that have moved to Toronto. Sure. No, I get what you're saying here, but Toronto is one of the original teams, Brent. 
You know what I'm saying? Like they, yeah. I mean they they started from scratch. So like the the history and the rich tradition, like it would be like talking about like the Yankees or somebody um, in terms of baseball. So no, I think that the fandom is definitely still there just because they've been around forever. I like what you did here. I think you. you I've been thinking about this all day. <laughs> sure. <laughs> trying to figure out. Hey, like, you should just asked me, man. <laughs> I guess so. Should just asked so, me. Somebody asked me, or we were talking about it. And uh, on the golf course today, and they they gave a decent analogy, but we can't even figure out what it would be like because mm. they said, "What if Tiger Woods hadn't won a major yet after like 20 years or 15 years, and then he won one? Yeah. That's what it would be like for a Deki Matsuyama." I was like, "Okay, that makes sense to me. Like, you're probably right, but it's so far fetched that like it's it's unimaginable. <laughs> Tiger Woods won so many." You know, so like it's unimaginable. I think what you just said there is is a really good one. I, I think a team hockey is that way, and we like we love golf, yep. but I don't know if we appreciate how much other people like golf around the globe. We love hockey, some of us do, and some more than others. But they lo- do we fully appreciate how much you, they love hockey in Canada? And I, I really like where you went there because I think that is um, accurate. The, the reason why soccer doesn't work is because there are a lot of passionate people about soccer that's true but i think it's but i think it's less in the united states like i think the gap between soccer fandom here in the united states and soccer fandom uh, across the pond and other places in the world is massive Mm -hmm. like like the football gap between us and everybody else so to to me it's not as apples to apples i mean we really do have we're a closer gap when it comes to hockey i think and there's a closer gap when it comes to, to golf and that's why I think this analogy works. But uh, it's I've heard that. I knew we were going to hear, hey, it's boring. It's Matsuyama. It's, you know, but it's it's really not for golf. you got to understand, this is an important win for golf across the globe. And golf has become a global, 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 global sport, uh, maybe more than any of them, quite frankly. I mean, they are doing well yeah. on the PGA Tour because of the global nature of golf. I say become. It's always been one, we know. But I think they've hit a home run on the global level in terms of the marketing dollars, the TV, the web deals that they've made outside of the United States are huge. And I think uh, that's why uh, it fits. By the way, next uh, golf tournament, now we go to the PGA Championship in May. And uh, I think the guy that did steal the show is Will Zalatoris. We'll keep an eye on him. He's not even a full-time member out on the PGA Tour. And he finished top 20 at the Players' Championship, finished, I think, sixth at the U.S. Open in 2020, and now he's finished uh, second at the Masters. We might have a new star uh, in golf, which is something to keep an eye on is, uh, as well. Is he the one that everyone was tweeting looked like the uh, the caddy yes. from? Yep. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And, and even, uh, even Adam Sandler hit him up, too, as well, so that was pretty yeah, cool, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that is pretty cool. Uh, so, uh, hey, let's uh, shift focus to, back to some football. Florida State spring game, not sure if you caught it, uh, read up on it, saw some highlights of it, did all that stuff. Uh, overall, a win. You can't lose the spring game, Austin. <laughs> no, no, you can't lose the spring game. <laughs> I feel like you can probably only win the spring game, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think Florida State did it. I, I think uh, Mackenzie Milton's performance, first impression, was good. I think uh, uh, Malik McLean, the receiver, is going to be some. It's somebody people are talking about in Tallahassee. Uh, so I think that's good to have talking points. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have. Where does Florida State go is fascinating over the next handful of months. It's a massive year, you would think, for Mike Norvell, but I, I probably didn't give as much credence to this as we were talking about the Florida State spring game going into the weekend as I do coming out of it. You have to remember, Mike Norvell never got the spring last year. 
And while I think the spring is overrated, for a guy who's a new coach, the spring probably has a ton of value to it. And so I think this was a big deal for Norvell and the program and the step they take. They've got quarterbacks to pick from. And by the way, Chubba Purdy has now been cleared uh, medically to Mm -hmm. participate in summer workouts. So they've got quarterbacks that you could kind of like and and rally around on top of everything else. Uh, I think this is a good time for Florida State, and it's going to be an interesting fall uh, coming up in 2021. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, obviously the biggest story still is Mackenzie Milton, um, and and that's kind of, to me, what's been missing uh, with Florida State the most, right? I mean, we talk about the offensive line play, uh, you know, the, the past years, and sometimes the coaching decisions and all this stuff, and sometimes guys not being on the same page, whether it's on the field or in the locker room, but having a great quarterback uh, can help ease all that other stuff. And once again, if Mackenzie Milton can um, can turn back the time a little bit and show what he did at UCF, then I think he got a special one there. You know, um, Florida State's been waiting for that quarterback. Now, there's been hype, you know, and there's been some big-name guys, per se, coming out of high school, going there. There's been some transfers and all this stuff, but there still is yet to be, like, that guy that you can rest your hat on and say, all right, this guy's going to be the dude for the next couple years. I think Mackenzie Milton, at least for this year, can be that guy. Well, and also, I guess I get more of a feel. You know, again, I'm not. I just got to admit to everybody, I'm not a big. I put a lot of stock into spring game guy. I just not. I mean, we're talking about 12 minute quarters, and we're not even talking about a game anymore. Uh, there's so much that's kind of choreographed in, in these things. But I do think this had value for Mackenzie Milton. Is the story and a good positive story out of Tallahassee is important. Don't sleep on that. It's been a miserable few years. I mean, from from the end of Jimbo Fisher to the just awful run of Willie Taggart, uh, to their economic issues that have been talked about, to Mike Norvell last year, wasn't good. it wasn't good either. Mm-hmm. So if you think about all that they've been through, and just to have the Milton story is big for them, I think just on a uh, positive story that we get to read about Florida State front, and then if he does perform, and, and he did some good things in that game, and then you have Jordan Travis, who looks like he's getting better and is a super athlete, and then maybe Chubba Purdy gets healthy and, and is in the mix somewhere. Now you have stuff because if you feel like you have a quarterback, then you feel like you got a chance. So I just think the overall feel. Now, you could say break down the defensive front, break down the linemen, and what do they got to have at receiver, and that there's some things to like about running back. Again, I don't like getting carried away with that stuff in the spring game. But I just think there's finally a good feeling around Florida State football. Uh, I don't know if it's yet momentum, Austin. I think there's a difference in that. But I think there's finally a good feeling where we get some positive stories out of Tallahassee, uh, which I know that sounds like that's what we're here for. It sounds a little bit moral victory-like, but... After the last handful of years, yeah, I think that's kind of a big deal at FSU. Yeah, and once again, to me, it comes down to the quarterback position. Uh, I can't stress it enough. You know, I think there, there's some universities out there that sometimes can get by with just okay quarterback play. I mean, like the Wisconsin Badgers always come to mind for me because, you know, like if you're a Badgers fan, you're not watching per se. Well, how's it? I mean, the quarterback's important, yes. But, you know, they saw that run game. They have a solid offensive line uh, to hang their hat on, and that's going to be okay. If you have a, a great quarterback, that's a bonus. But you feel like with the speed that Florida has and the weapons and the dynamic playmakers that Florida State has, and then also Norvell coming from Memphis where, you know, it, it is kind of this run-and-gun spread kind of offense. You need to run that through the, the quarterback. So if you have that guy, it'll make all the difference in the world. So to me, there's a lot more optimism because 
Once again, you have a guy coming from UCF who put up big time numbers, and I don't care, you know, who he played against. And like, what you see on film. By the way, Brent, we've watched the tape. <laughs> we've we've checked the tape. We've seen UCF before, and we've seen Mackenzie Milton shine. If he can go back in time and do that, then Florida State's going to have a, a, a good, I think, a next couple years. Yeah, and we've got plenty of time to talk about this. What does good mean in 2021? I'm not quite sure yet, but we got plenty of time before we get to the start of the season. We talk about FSU football and, and where do they have to fit going through that schedule? What's it got to look like? Um, I think the actual record says one thing. What it looks like kind of says another thing, and uh, we'll talk about that. But I think it's kind of a big year. It's not a big year in the sense that, hey, he's going to be done. I mean, they got no money over there. Mike Norvell's going to be there for a bit, but I do think it's to taking a big step. You know, you always say it. Everybody says it's like kind of a cliche in sports. Year one to year two. Well, here's year one to year two for Mike Norvell. What kind of leap can he make at uh, FSU? Florida State, we want him to be good. We're the home for Florida State football and basketball here at ESPN 690. And a big announcement today. We're the home of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp now as well, partnering up with the Jumbo Shrimp AAA affiliate of the Miami Marlins. You can hear more than 90 games right here on ESPN 690 as baseball season kicks off around here on May 4th. And you can listen to all the games streaming on ESPN690.com. Let's go to the phones real quick before we break. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. South Beach Gary on the line. Happy Monday, man. Good afternoon, gentlemen. A, a couple things, please. First of all, in the Masters, I know it was big for Japan, but it was just very anticlimactic to me because you didn't have those Sunday roars or a big name, you know, rising up the leaderboard. It just just didn't carry the excitement to me that a lot of Masters have in the past. And, and one other thing, guys, I was listening to a podcast that Adam Schefter had with Najee Harris, and it was about a half-hour interview, and he, Najee Harris must have been bleeped about ten times during that interview. Could that have any effect on an NFL team? They get wind of that, and I'm not approved by any means, believe me. But to, that kind of language could that hurt a guy's draft stock if, if teams get wind of that? South Beach Gary, appreciate it, man. Uh, interesting. I, I, I'll He's, say this about uh, the Masters uh, real quick, and then I want you to ask you about that. Uh, I, 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 I agree with South Beach Gary from a playing standpoint. I just said to some folks out here, I didn't think it was a well-played Masters. Here's the thing about Augusta, okay? And this is easy for me to say, uh, Mr. Ten Handicapper. But these guys are really good. And I just thought they played poorly for the most part. That's a golf course that they all know. They play it all the time. And, heck, Will Zalatoris doesn't know it. And he, and he played well, obviously, because he came in second place. And, and more first-timers are playing well there because they've seen it on TV so many times. They've heard Tiger Woods say, hey, this is where you got to hit it. They've heard other guys. They've seen other guys. So I think more first-timers play there. But the guys that have played there a bunch, I think they just played poorly. They didn't make enough putts. Yeah, it was a little crispier around the greens. I mean, it was different than November. But I just didn't think they played well. So I kind of agree with South Beach Gary in the sense that where were you guys? Where was Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth on the front nine? And why did Shoffley struggle so much on the front nine? Like, where were these guys to come chase Matsuyama, put some pressure on him so he could feel all that pressure of an entire country? Well, it didn't really happen until he had a five-shot lead, and by then it was too late. So uh, I think it's a big win, like you said, South Beach Gary, but I don't disagree with you in terms of the golf. I thought the golf was somewhat poor. Uh, for their standards around Augusta most of the weekend. Again, easy for me to say. I understand. It's, uh, I'm not telling you that I would have shot 82, okay? <laughs> but I just think by their standards, it wasn't the best golf um, by so many of them, especially in critical moments. Now for the swearing part from Najee Harris. That's an interesting question, Austin. 
How many F-bombs did you drop during interviews or podcasts back in the day in the, in the draft hunt? <laughs> it depends what kind of podcast I'm on, man. Um, as far as the interviews, oh, I swore all the time in, like, in terms of like the meetings. Yeah, why not? I mean, did you? Yeah, I mean, not like a sailor, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's usually how I talk. Like, I, I don't know. I, I hadn't listened to the interview with Najah Harris, so I don't know exactly what transpired, but I'm going to say this. If you've ever been to an NFL training camp before, and you've been, you've had that sideline access, and you listen to individual drills and what the coaches say, nine times out of ten, there's going to be some foul language. So if you mean to tell me that GMs, scouts, coaches have a problem with how Najee Harris, and once again, I don't know the, the, the language that he used. If we're just talking about regular cursing and, you know, not derogatory language offending anybody, then no. It's not going to be an issue because that language is used all around in the locker room, whether it's by players, whether it's by coaches. It's just the way it is. Yeah, I I have a hard time. I'm actually writing this now, and as I'm kind of listening to you and I listen to South Beach Gary ask the question, I kind of like the question. But if a player uses bad language on a podcast, would that be a red flag to NFL teams? And as I write that and tweet that out and share that, I'd be interested to see what people say. But my guess is going to be, what are you talking about? No, they won't care. And I would agree. I, I don't think they care. I think it is a little bit the nature um, kind of of sports, not really just the NFL. I think some people use curse words and, and the language, and some people don't. Some people are turned off by the language, but most people aren't. Uh, I, I can't imagine that would be much of a red flag for, for any team. It wouldn't be for me. I, I think... It's just the way it is. This is not an interview setting where you're sitting there in a uh, three-piece suit trying to get a CEO gig. Right, Austin? No. I mean, you're not going to swear in that setting. Most likely you're not swearing in that setting. No, and some guys want to wear a three-piece suit, and that's fine as well. But no, you're you're all good to go. Yeah, it's just so different when we think of the interview process. Uh, I, I, I would be stunned. Now, maybe it does turn somebody off. I would be stunned, though, uh, because here's what I would quickly say. Um, go back and look at that tape. <laughs> check you the know, tape, everybody. Yeah, check the tape and uh, tell me what kind of language you're using while you're watching that tape. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. an interesting question, though, um, but I just don't think overall yeah. uh, it would. And I think that way in any sport, really, and not just the NFL. I, I just don't think that would bother um, any GM coach. Or anybody else. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, Shock Your Mock is coming up next. Oh, oh, what kind of mood is Austin in on a Monday? Can't wait to find out. We're live at Jacksonville Golf and Country Club. Child Cancer Fund Golf Tournament. Raising money for the kids. Here in a Brent Martineau. But we could really take this show off the rails if we wanted to go all, like, half politics, half sports. Austin Lane. I mean, have you been on Twitter lately? Do you you want $100,000, extra $100,000? Do you want a scholarship? Let's go. (laughs) Politics when we get back here. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Their expectations, how high they should be for Trevor Lawrence in year one. Well, listen, I I don't know what to make of this. What I can tell you is that um, in the interest of full disclosure, I don't give a damn about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I've never thought much about them. Okie dokie, Stephen A. Smith. That's all you're going to say is okie dokie? 
mean, is that really that surprising coming out of Stephen A. Smith's mouth? I mean, he talks about New York and L.A. and the Dallas Cowboys sometimes. I mean, that's all he talks about. I mean, so we 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 go to war with Jets media saying like how bad we are, but then Stephen A. Smith says something. We got to keep our mouth shut. Yeah, Jets media felt a little bit more genuine. Uh, Stephen A. Smith's right there felt I want to get clicks and. Well, dude, I, I, um, okay. And. and like Jet, Jets media felt, I'm just better than you. Uh, Stephen A. Smith, like I said, I mean, he's supposed to say stuff that will provoke people to then say Stephen A. Smith. Well, I then, can't Mich- you said that. I guess, man, and congratulations, Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith, mission accomplished. Because obviously, you said that, and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Um, and, and I will take that as disrespectful. And I'm not sure like how much I can really rag on somebody that works for ESPN since I we are under the ESPN banner. But guess what, Stephen A. Smith? Nobody asked you about your opinion about the Jacksonville Jaguars. What she asked you was your opinion about Trevor Lawrence. So I don't need to hear, well, I don't like the Jags. No, hey, it's your job to talk about teams. All right? So just talk about the teams. Share us your opinion about Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville. That's all we need. I don't need to hear your feelings about, well, I've never cared about the Jags. Good. Fantastic. Nobody asked. Just like I don't care what you say about MMA stuff because you're insufferable. But I man up and I get through it, even though my ears are bleeding. Man up and answer the question. You don't got to give your feelings about everything. Well, I mean, he does give his feelings about a lot of things. But, but hey, isn't he, it your job to talk about the NFL? Isn't it your job to answer questions about quarterbacks going to new teams? Here's what the beauty about uh, Stephen A. Smith's comments are right there. The hope is, around here in Jacksonville, is that in three years, Stephen A. Smith will give a damn about the Jacksonville Jaguars because he's going to have to talk about them from 10 to noon on his show. Because they're going to have to talk about Trevor Lawrence. They're going to have to talk about the success of the Jaguars. and have to talk about the Jags uh, winning and, and maybe winning big. That's the hope, right? I mean, it's <laughs> people like Stephen A. Smith that you're going to have to talk about them whether you like them or not. You can't, you know, when you're one in fifteen, it's easy to say that. But though, uh, th- this is the pro- this is the problem though with national media, is that and I don't call everybody out because I think a lot of people out there have been great with how they've covered the Jacksonville Jaguars. But when the Jaguars are good, it means it's more work from you. And the reason why you don't want to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, not because they didn't do anything bad to you, or not because you're a, you're a Cowboys fan or whatever Stephen A. Smith is, and the Jaguars are, are not a rival. Like The only reason why he's talking bad about him is because you don't want to do homework about him. It's one less team that you have to go over on Google and type their names in when they're not relevant. But all of a sudden, they're relevant, and now you got to do a little extra homework. Now you got to go, okay, who do they have on their team? What are they all about? Who are their players? What kind of scheme do they run? How good are they this year? It's extra homework. And if you don't want to do the homework, that's fine. But I promise you, there's going to be young and upstart people coming for your job that are willing to do the homework. And eventually, they will get their say. Yeah, I, I think that's, uh, that is fair amongst the national media. The, the Jags have put themselves in, an un, in a forgettable position. And therefore, people don't. People. That's why people have talked about London so much with not a lot of context, you know, or the fan base with not a lot of context. And... Uh, 
maybe this will change that too. I mean, you're going to have to get on the radar because people across the country are going to talk about Trevor Lawrence. So uh, yeah, you might want to hit that Google up. And, and I'm all, I don't think you're wrong on that. No, and listen, Stephen A. Smith is doing a lot better than I am. You know, the, the, the $10 million per year in his bank account uh, would s- signify that. And obviously he, he gets eyes to uh, all the sports mediums and things like that, so he's doing a fantastic job of what he does. But I'm just saying, if you want to be an NFL analyst, and I'm not talking to Stephen A. Smith, I'm talking to anybody that's above me, that makes a lot more money than me, and a lot of the people that work hard out there. If you want to be an NFL analyst, that's great. But eventually you better do your homework because there's other people out there that are trying to come for your jobs that are doing their homework in every single team and that can have a legitimate conversation without bringing feelings into it because I don't follow the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, maybe Stephen A. Smith will do a mock draft in the next couple of weeks just nah, man. so we nah, can. No, nah, he's banned. Shock his mock. It's not Stephen A. Smith. It's somebody else. Let's get to it. He is none other than the Shaq Wester! just got Austin Lane riled up, or maybe just Austin Lane is riled up on a Monday. What we'll else find out. Shock your mock time. Who we got? All right, let's get into it. Real quick, though, the Shock Your Mock NFT will be coming when when Trevor Lawrence gets drafted. Uh, asking price of around $20,000. Uh, <laughs> I accept Venmo, PayPal, whatever you want. This isn't original, everybody, and it's a part of history. Because one day when Shock Your Mock goes worldwide and we're shocking, I don't know, MLS drafts and NHL drafts <laughs> and maybe WNBA drafts, you name the dra- draft beers, I don't care, man. We're going to be shocking at all. And you can say that you have a piece of the original Shock Your Mock song, created by me, obviously. Be on the lookout for that N- NFT, Brent. It's coming to, uh, I guess, the internet near you. <laughs> what would you even say? Where do you? I don't even know where to buy an in, NFT. In, in your neck of the woods. In your neck of the woods. Hey, <laughs> check your local <laughs> listings. But today, uh, we are featured a Shock Your Mock segment by Sean Bonday. Bondi? Bonday? Bonday. Uh, at Sean2234. Now, once again, Brent, you know me, right? Got to do the due diligence. Got to do the homework to make sure this guy checks out. I'm going to be honest. I'm a little confused by this dude. I did a background check on him. His profile picture on Twitter. We got a Washington Wizards John Wall jersey underneath a a Ray Lewis statue in Baltimore. Nothing Jaguars, not at all. Now, there's some Jaguars retweets every once in a while I see him post, but a lot of Washington Wizards stuff, which, I mean, this could be the first Washington Wizards fan we've ever had on the show. (laughs) So this is groundbreaking right now. Is this guy a Jaguars fan? Not sure. Does he want a free T-shirt? Well, who doesn't? So let's get into it. Coos, we ready to go? Let's see that thumb up. The thumb is up, Brent, and we are ready to roll. So he started out by shock your mock, getting a little cocky. You kind of coming for the title, if you will, by what he said. And he said, and I quote, no need to show who went number one, Trevor Lawrence. Okay, 
like the confidence, like the cockiness, but let's be honest. This isn't a fact that he's calling a shot like Babe Ruth or Hamilton the long uh, ball porter from the sandlot. The reason why he's calling a shot right now is because he couldn't figure out how to screenshot his entire draft (laughs) into one thing. So right now, you're off to a bad start. And what was his mistake, Brent? He didn't use use the Amazon AWS powered by Daniel Jeremiah, powered by AWS. He used the Pro Football Focus one, which uh, – no, I'm sorry. He used the Draft Network one, which, hey, it's a free-for-all over there, man, okay? <laughs> I'm not getting paid by them, so it's a free-for-all over there. It is what it is. But he's got Trevor Lawrence, number one. We'll get your size later, sir. Pick number two, and now we're getting a little – this is new, Brent. It's new, it's exciting, and it's fresh. Yeah, I like that. Well, okay. Careful now. Uh, we'll see. I like it. Okay. Keep it fresh. Okay, okay, but he's taking Quiddy Pay at number 25, edge rusher from uh, Michigan. Now, I want to hit the depth need alert, Kuz, but hold it. Hold it, and I understand you're here for two days. You have to get your fix in, but not right now. Because is this really a depth need alert? We're talking about Quiddy Pay, edge rusher. Look at the numbers. Yes, he's got the quarterback a little bit. But here's my issue with Quiddy Pay. And I don't care what the 40-yard dash says, probably a 4-3, knowing how Michigan cheats. But this guy is 6'4", 277 pounds. All right? So, in my opinion, he's not big enough to play like a three technique in a 3-4 defense. And he's too big to play outside linebacker. And as the draft experts, when they talk about him, say he's got to get more sand in his pants. By the way, draft experts out there, I don't want to put anybody on blast. I don't think Daniel (laughs) Jeremiah says this. Can we change the adjective of he's got to put more sand in his pants? I kind of like it. Of course you do. Of of course you do. And, yeah, and then there it is, everybody. And, And... and, and now we're off the rails. As if Stephen A. Smith didn't make me uh, angry enough, now Brent is co-signing the phrase sand in your pants when you talk about a defensive lineman that has to gain more weight. It's a good visual, man. <laughs> Brent, I seriously can't with you right now. Coos, you got a button over there? Mute his mic if you have to. That's all I'm going to say. We, we are not... On behalf of the SPN 690, we are not going to tolerate Stephen A. Smith disrespecting our city, and we're not going to tolerate Brent Martineau saying, sand in your pants is a cool phrase, because it's not. All right, pick number 33. Once again, a little fresh, a little different. But is fresh and different the right thing right now for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Terrence Marshall, uh, wide receiver, LSU. Uh, I did some research, Brent. Watched the film. Checked the tape. The NFL comparison, and this is according to NFL.com, say no more. The NFL comparison right now is John Dotson. I know what you're saying. Who's John Dotson? Well, guess what? (laughs) I did some research on him as well. He's that guy that played for Washington for a couple years that, like, you didn't draft in fantasy football, but then it's like week six, week seven, and all your receivers are on IR, and it's like, oh, this guy's doing okay. Let me take John Dotson. And then you take him, and he does pretty well for four weeks, and then your receivers get healthy, and then you put him back on the bench, and then you cut him. That's who Dotson is. He's number 10. I don't know, man. He's on Minnesota now. I'm going to check. He's not, he's still playing? I guess. Okay. <laughs> I guess. So that's who we're dealing with now, according to NFL.com. Um, you know, there's this guy's a boomer bust type of player. One second for a quick sip of water. No problem. Uh, thank way, you, man. Uh, while you're sipping water, Daniel Jeremiah is scheduled to join the show again on Wednesday, so be careful what you say. Hey. We'll see. Um, so with Terrence Marshall Jr., here's the problem with boomer bust. It's pick 33, okay? First pick of the second round. This guy 
2019 was the third string wide receiver because he's playing behind Jefferson. Um, and who's the other guy that's going to go top five? Uh, uh, Jamar Chase. Thank you very much, Jamar Chase. So you didn't get a really chance to see a lot of the sample size. Now, this year he had to be the guy because, well, uh, Jamar Chase – you know, sat out, and then Jefferson was drafted. So while he was in, you know, he had the the consecutive games of over 100 yards. That was good. But there's a lot of boomer bust to this guy. I'm not sure at pick number 33. I think in terms of, of speed, he's got that. Uh, he, he can be a dynamic playmaker. But to me, he offers a lot what DJ Char can offer. And is it the home run ball? I'm not sure. Uh, pick number 45, Javon Holland. I've, you know, I've said a lot about this dude. There's nothing much more to say. In my opinion, he's a little undersized right now. Do you put him at corner? Do you put him at safety? Uh, pick 65 is fair for. I'm sorry, pick 45 is fair for the safety. And by the way, Q's, get that draft needle alert on there. Let's go ahead and sprinkle it off with a little draft need alert. Boom, draft need alert. And oh, guess back what? Back to backers. Yep, keep keep stealing my teasers, and we got back to back Brevin Jordan draft need alert. Akus hit it. Sorry, I'm flustered, and then hit the off the rails button again because Brent's, you know, you know, doing his my job. There it is. Boom. We're off the rails. There's, there's a lady in the background screaming because we're going off the rails. But listen, you get Javon Holland and Brevin Jordan. You know, I understand that the whole Brevin Jordan thing, is he the most polished tight end right now? No. Do I want to see Pat Frymuth in this spot or a little higher? Possibly. Do I like to do the Pat Frymuth, you know, stat of the day, the fun fact of the day? Absolutely. Brevin Jordan, fun fact of the day? He's fast. He's athletic. There's your fun fact of the day for Brevin Jordan. Pick number 106, Marvin Wilson. We talked about this dude a lot, you know, and, and being the official station of uh, Marvin Wilson, um, you know, we like to see him come to Jacksonville, you know, being a Florida State Seminole and all. I think he, he can definitely do great depth there. Uh, a guy that kind of underachieved his last year with a lot to prove. With the right mindset, with the right coaching, this guy can shine. 106, you know, it could be just a tad bit high, but I'm not mad at it. Pick 130, I mean, Brent, you know what I feel about this guy? Chuba Hubbard. Cool name. Cool running back, can kind of do it all, if you will. A nice compliment to James Robinson. I like this pick a lot. I like this pick a lot at, at pick 130. Now, I'm, I'm going to call him Chuba if he ends up here. I just want to call him Chuba rather than Chuba for some reason. Is it, is it Chuba or Chuba? I should probably it establish that. Okay, it is Chuba. Yeah, because I've watched the tape. So, yeah, so it's Chuba Hubbard, um, dynamic, fast, can you know can be a receiver out of the backfield. like this pick a lot. Pick 145 with Darius Williams. Pick 170. And this, to me, besides the Chuba Hubbard pick, might be the pick of the draft. Shaka Tooney. Now, I'm not going to lie. I don't have any stats on this guy. He's from Penn State. I know that. But just a really cool name, Shaka Tooney. You know, and, and when we talk about, and I get it, Austin, it's just a name. Well, you know, there's guys like Takeo Spikes, DeBrickshaw Ferguson. When you got a cool name guy, you can go for Ronan Lane. Like, when you got the cool <laughs> yeah. names like that, you're destined for greatness. I think Shaka Tooney is destined for greatness. And then Sean Davis at the safety spot, rounding everything out. Let's be honest here. The back end, the last one, two, three, four, five picks. Not too shabby, right? Almost appears like you know what you're talking about. Almost appears like you're not a Washington Wizards fan. But those first couple picks, when we got Quiddy Pay, who, 
you, you have nowhere to put him, man. Okay, he's going to be in the corner. And then guess what? Someone's got to put Baby in the corner, I guess, because he's not an outside linebacker and he's not a three technique. Needs to get more. And for the last time, I'm going to say this, sand in his pants. And then you got Terrence Marshall Jr. who, okay, but there's other speed options there, other slot guys there, and Javon Holland. You know how I feel about that. I mean, that that could be the worst starting three I've ever seen in my entire life for Shocker Mock. So you went above and beyond here. Maybe stick to your Washington Wizards message boards or your Baltimore Ravens message boards because, once again, I'm so confused why you're rocking a Wizards jersey next to a Ray Lewis statue. I'm not even lying. If you, if you, have, like the, if you have this on a big screen TV, go really close to this picture. You can see Sean Bondi uh, stand next to Ray Lewis. I have no idea. I'm confused. This mock draft is confusing, but most importantly, it sucks. But let's get the guy a t-shirt anyways, Brent. <laughs> yeah. And you know what to do. Compliments of Shaka Tone and Shaka your mock. Yes, uh, Sean, your mock has been shocked, but we appreciate the freshness of your shocking mock. Yes, but it's trash, though. Infectious, and infectious in all the worst ways. Like, honestly, Shaka Sean. We, we better reach out to Pfizer right now. Is it Pfizer? Yeah, better reach out to Pfizer right now and get us a, a, some kind of shot for this because it's infectious in all the worst ways. It's a crappy mock draft. I don't feel that good. My tummy's rumbly. Pfizer, let's go. Let's get, the, let's get that. Whatever. I said my tummy's rumbly. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Sorry, man. Stephen A. Smith got to me today a little bit. Yeah, I guess so. And then we got Daniel Jeremiah coming on Wednesday. Like, like that's going to happen, and like he wants my wrath right now. What, what, a, what a horrible booking by you, Brent. On, on a Wednesday? You can wait until Friday when I'm a little more relaxed and I'm a little more dead, deadbeat for the week. You're going to get Daniel Jeremiah in the heart of the week, in the heart of the schedule. Best of luck to you, Daniel. Hey, just got to get over that hump day. <laughs> my tummy is rumbly, yeah. and I've got sand in my shorts. We'll be back on ESPN 690. Football at 5. Trevor Lawrence, number one versus other number ones. Also, 3-4-4-3. Joe Cullen speaks a little bit about that. We got it all on the way. Football at 5 on ESPN 690.